You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> Man, I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with the first 2022 edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and it's been so long since we've had... An episode with the three of us. Let's not waste any time because we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Let me go ahead and bring in the rest of the team. But before I do that, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you so much for being a part of the presentation. Record download and listen numbers for Longhorn Blitz in 2021. Thank you so much for your support of this show. Uh, Looking forward to uh, another great year bringing you this program. So however you get uh, this podcast, we hope you're doing it. By searching Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast, click that follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. We apologize. No episode last week. Uh, the old circumstances beyond our control took effect last week. But we're back in the studio. Everything is running, uh, and we're ready to bring you our first episode of the new year. If it's running, that means our man is at the controls because he is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? How's your New Year, man? Not too bad. If I could, if we could just get rid of cedar pollen, I, I would be perfect. That is really the only thing bothering me in I my concur. world right now. Nothing else bothering me except cedar pollen. Uh, man, I don't know if he's impacted by cedar pollen. Typically not, because he's a Renaissance man and. I don't know, his immune system is just that damn good. Uh, <laughs> Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 Utah All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, how was your winter wonderland uh, getaway for the good. holidays? Always good to hang out and do, you know, winter wonderland things, hang out with the with the, my Caucasian side of the family and do a lot of white stuff. Did sledding, <laughs> made some snowmen, had a couple of uh, snow like uh, snowball fights, then... Had to head back down here. A lot of real, white, a lot of white warm stuff. weather. Yeah, a lot of white, like like literally and figuratively, a lot of white stuff. So had a good time, man. I always have a good time. No, in it's always good. It's always yeah. good. Uh, I always enjoy your pictures from when you go to Idaho. It's beautiful. It's picturesque. It, it's, it is. It's 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 probably some of the most beautiful countryside I've ever seen in my life. I mean, my mother-in-law. I mean, she lives probably a half a mile from the mountain, from the base of the mountain. Like, you can literally just go walk up the mountain yeah. if you want to. I mean, you'd be an awesome. idiot to do it. You guys could die and wolves could attack <laughs> you or something. Yeah. But you could go do it. 
We went to Colorado before Christmas, and when you're, you know, walking around and see like bear crossings or exactly whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll like, st- oh, take your bear spray with you if you're yeah. going out. I'm like, what? I'll stay in the car. Bear spray with me? That's a thing. Like, take the bear spray just, just in case if you're going on a. They, so they they'll go on a, they go on walks, but no, take- <laughs> I don't need to go off the beaten path. I'm good. Exactly. I'd like to not get mauled while I'm on vacation. You know what I mean? Exactly. I don't want to go on a hike and then having to run into a bear. I'm good. Well, we all uh, good to know everybody here with this program had a safe happy and healthy holiday safe happy and healthy new year hope everybody listening out there did as well and rod i actually thought about you when the news came down that brennan marion is the new receivers coach i'm like i don't know if rod wore pants to start the new year's because <laughs> that's uh that's a hell of a bit of news look it, is good news. it was it was one of the worst kept secrets uh if, if you if you've got you know your finger on the pulse of this program things are not trending in the right direction with andre coleman as a receivers coach and when we talked about, when people asked me, well, Jeff, are there going to be staff changes? And I said, look, if you're asking me, you know, one and a half staff changes, I was going to take the over, uh, knowing that Andre Coleman was going to be one of those staff changes. I don't think Andre Coleman's a bad coach. No. But for what Texas needs in a receivers coach, it just wasn't really a good fit. Yep. Totally agree with you. And I said this on Light the Tower, which, by the way, you can hear 10 to noon weekdays on the horn and – Rod and Kevin Shout Dunn, out. RBKD from 3 to 7. It's part of our live local programming. I said this, and I mentioned it on the site. Texas moving on from Andre Coleman. I think this is going to be one of the those divorces where there's not any ill said about either party. I think both parties are going to be much happier. Hmm. I think Andre Coleman will be happier coaching football somewhere else, and I think Steve Sarkeesian will be happier with a different person coaching the wide receivers. And it's Brennan Marion. And, Rod, rarely does this happen. Like, anytime Texas has an assistant coaching hire, the running backs coach hire is a perfect example of this. Getting Tashar Choice. It was kind of the left field option. Like, not that Tashar Choice is a bad choice, but we were running down the names of possibilities mm-hmm. to replace Stan Drayton. And until it got down to the nitty-gritty where he was announced as the hire the day of, Deshard Choice wasn't really widely talked about as, no. okay, he's the guy. He's yeah. a legit candidate. It was probably the last 36 to 24 hours of that deal where it was, okay, yeah, Deshard Choice looks like he's the guy. But from even before Texas officially had an opening for receivers coach, all eyes were on Brendan Marion, guy with really strong ties in the state of Texas, high school coaches, prospects in this state, love Brendan Marion. Rod, we've talked about for a while what he's done with the go-go offense, what he did with it at Howard, and then going to Hawaii. Uh, by the way, was a really good player back in the day at Tulsa. Got a cup of coffee in the NFL. What he's done at Pitt. They had a Belitnikoff Award winner. Kenny Pickett might be the first quarterback taken in the draft this year mm-hmm. based on Brendan Marion's work with that offense. When you talk about somebody that needs to recruit that position well, develop that position well, and bring something to the table – to spice up Steve Sarkeesian's offense, add a new wrinkle to it. This is a home run hire if there ever was one. Um, man, I've been trying to get Brendan Marion Brendan Mary hired here at Texas for, for three years now. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, that yeah, I mean, you ain't got to tell me. I, I thought Tom Herman should have did it before he hired Andre Coleman. That's the first time I actually campaigned for him to get hired um, openly because I was a big fan of his from his days at Howard mm-hmm. when he came up, where well, he's popularized the go-go offense there. Uh, but he came up with it his days at, as a high school coach at Waynesboro. Um, but he, you know, he there he actually had the biggest upset at the time in college football history. He uh, upset UNLV as the OC at Howard. 
I think they were a 45 point underdog. I think 42. Then 42. he started going. Yeah. I think I, my number had 45. Was it 45? Yeah, okay. that's the number. I, I, Lines move. Lines yeah. move. Well, I'm just saying, I, I, this is from three years ago when I wrote okay. it down. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I literally, like I said, I've been, re- I, I've been researching Brennan Marion for three, four years now. I've been deep into it. And like I said, he not only, now he's, he's now getting his chops as a. You know, oh, you're right, Rod. A, a 40, developer 45. of talent now, yeah, and a developer of talent because of Jordan Addison Blinnikoff, which is great. And I'm not sure if he's a great recruiter because I don't know, honestly. I don't know. I've I've talked to people who've known him and said, man, his personality is unbelievable. He's a he's a great dynamic personality, but he also has been through a lot in his life, which we can talk about. Mm-hmm. And just that kind of football character and DNA will make him a great recruiter because he'll have great stories to tell and he'll be able to talk to those men, those young men, about perseverance and you know about character and about commitment and all sacrifice and all those things that obviously he endured himself but the reason he's going to be great for texas and you said it's because schematically he is exactly what sark in texas needs when i was doing the research you go look at texas in their two back sets this year and by the way something else also that i've been campaigning for for probably nine one on eight nine years now more two back sets ever since Deontay foreman and chris warren chris warren were here like hell matter of fact i'll tell you back Going back to Jonathan Gray, Joe mm-hmm. Bergeron, yep. and Malcolm Brown. Probably I've been saying, the, well, man, you know what? We got to start using more two back sets. They got they got a lot of great running backs. Yeah, probably the year before, Rod, when 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 Fozzie's last year in the program. It might Malcolm been. Brown and Joe Bergeron were freshmen. Because I remember we were real ago, happy in no U game because they did use him during that game. They did time. have, and I'll get it's Jeff, it was Jeff Trailer actually. Yeah, it was the it was Jeff Trailer <laughs> and, and, and Jay Norvell. That was the fifteen <laughs> game, yeah. Right, yeah. That, they yeah. actually Jonathan Gray and Deontay. They Foreman. broke out a little the uh, Chris Warren Deontay Foreman, but I didn't see it before that when they had Jonathan Gray and Joe Bergeron. Mark, but they didn't use two back sets, not two tail back sets. Yeah. It's something they didn't want to do. Um, but anyway, I mean, so so those two things kind of <laughs> I think perfectly came to a a head here when Sark came in and remember Sark's opening drive of his first you know season as a head coach he uses two back sets uh-huh. uh, don't know if he's been listening to Longhorn Blitz or if he's just a fan of it or if he's just simple and he looked at the football team and went my deepest and most talented position is running back I'm gonna try to get as many of those guys on the field as possible either way good job Sark in doing that but here was his problem at last and I went and tracked it last year Texas actually most most successful passing down, most efficient and effective passing personnel package was two back sets, 21 or 20 personnel. Completed 73% of their passes out of 20 or 21 personnel, 8.4 yards per attempt. That's higher than any other personnel grouping. The problem there is, uh, the big but is, Kim Kardashian, Nick Minaj, Karina Rios, Cardi B size, but is they only average 4.48 yards per rush out of their two back sets. They need to get better uh, as a running team mm-hmm. out of those two back sets. You're going to have Rojo, you're going to have Bijan, you're going to have Keelan, you're going to have, hell, throw Jaden Blue in there, Jonathan Brooks. I mean, you got a ton of ton of talent there. And I think now, Sark understands, I need to figure out how to run out of these sets. And Brandon Marion calls his go-go offense, a, a he calls it a a triple option. Here, I'll make sure I get it right because he actually, I want to quote the man right because he actually said it himself. He calls it a, a pro-style triple option. All right, it's a, that's what he calls it—a pro-style triple option with a West Coast passing game. He claims with his two back sets, he can run any run play in the history of football with just his two 
back sets. That's what Sark doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't know how to weaponize the running game with the two back sets. That's why he went out and got Brendan Mary. That was a smart thing to do. Recruiting-wise, I get it. You can get other guys that may be just as good, if not better recruiters, developers of talent. That could also be the case, too. The reason he prioritized Brendan Marion, and this is smart by Sark, because he understands i got to be able to run out of these two back sets. It's great when I can pass out of them, go empty formation, spread teams out, go four wide, but i got to be able to run out of it effectively, turn these great running backs also into great blockers, and turn them into great fullbacks, uh, depending on the situation and circumstance. That's why Brennan Marion's here. To, to add on to that, I've said this since the end of the year, and I think with the personnel changes we've seen on this mm-hmm. offense, it's even more pertinent now. 20 or 21 personnel is probably going to be your best overall package. It's, it's gonna, it should be your most effective package with the deficiencies you've got a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like Outside of Xavier Worthy, I don't feel comfortable saying there's a proven commodity at that receiver position right now. No. Outside of Xavier Worthy. That's a good point. I agree with that. And mm-hmm. we knew Cade Brewer was moving on. Now Jared Wiley's transferred out. They, they love the tight end, the, those young tight ends. Gunnar Helm, Juan Davis, Jatavian Sanders. They love those young tight ends. There's still zero experience. There's one career catch in that group. Juan Davis had one catch, I think, for either one yard or minus one yard. Yeah, first year. I don't know. But the bottom line is you have no experience in that tight end room. So you can't be to just pigeonhole yourself and say we're going to be a base 12 personnel offense. And by the way, could you add a tight end in the transfer portal? Maybe. But this roster's got so many other needs that tight end's kind of a luxury. You don't you don't really have the luxury to go out and say, yeah, we're going to add a veteran tight end just because we want to be a 12-personnel offense. The, the the foundation of this offense, I think you, to your point, Rod, you've got to make use of that running back room, not just because it is your deepest and most talented position. I don't think you have any other option at this point. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, and I'll give Sark credit for this. I do believe when Sark goes into an offensive situation, there's evidence of this, he will look at the personnel and go, okay, you know what? We need to morph and we need to adapt to the talent we have. Obviously, like I said, first series here, he goes two back sets. Tom Herman, I think, had 20 and 21 personnel multi-back sets, less than, I think it was less than 4% of his total snaps. Sark is less than 10%. So Sark has already doubled it, and he came out making a statement first series of his tenure here at Texas. I'm going to use two back sets. Why? Most talented position, the deepest position, and your best player is at that position. Um about the and he did this at at, at uh, Bama too, right? They had they, what they call the red package, where he went four wides on the field. We talking about ten personnel, one back, zero mm-hmm. tight ends, four wide receivers. Why? We had four first round wide receivers. So if you don't put all of them on the field, then you're a freaking idiot. So yeah. he found the red package where he put all of his first round wide receivers on the field, and that just was nightmares for a for a defensive coordinator. So I think going to this situation in 2022, like you said, you look at the tight ends and go, well. I, and by the way, he loves he does like tight ends. He's on the record oh, yeah. for saying he believes tight end is the most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Now, does that mean funneling usage their way? No, not at all. That means the run game. Over fifty percent of the handoffs at Georgia, uh, sorry Georgia, at Alabama in twenty twenty for Steve Sarkeesian were out of twelve personnel, one back, two tight ends. In twenty twenty one, I went and tracked it. You're at forty nine percent here at Texas. Forty nine percent of your handoffs yeah. came with two tight ends on the field. So he does like girth and he likes size implemented into the run. 
running game. <laughs> but I think for Sark this year, he's going to have to supplement that somehow. So I think you'll probably – I'm with you. I, I would double the amount of two-back sets if I was Sark. And you think about it, the 11 personnel is actually the base because they went 11 personnel probably 50% of the time around close to it, 50% of their plays. Uh, but I'm with you. I think he used 12 personnel situationally in more cru- crucial situations. Remember mm-hmm. how they started out the uh, the Oklahoma game, right? A lot of 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. That's how he likes to set the tone yeah. is with 12 personnel. So I, I'm with you, man. I think it, it's, to me it's easy to me that you go 21 and 20 personnel almost as your base. That would be tough. That would be a huge leap. Mm-hmm. in a usage of multi-back sets considering you're close to 10% now. I would say if you can get it to 20%, that'd be really good. Yeah. You can get it to close to 20 25% of your overall plays. By the way, this is the point of the podcast where if you've got your Longhorn Blitz bingo card, go ahead and put a dot on the Kyle Shanahan space because I'm going to talk about Kyle Shanahan here real quick. But Sark even mentioned it when he made the transition to the NFL. I asked him about this at coaching school last year down in San Antonio, and he admitted he, he wasn't really a big two-back guy. He did it a little bit at Washington yep. with Chris Polk and Bishop Sankey, but he did it, If I think if you look at his career, the bulk of his usage of two tailback personnel was in Atlanta because, Rod, as you know, Kyle Shanahan loves two-back sets. Mm-hmm. He had the personnel to do it in Atlanta, and Sark said he didn't want to go in, go in Atlanta and reinvent the wheel just take what Kyle Shanahan was doing and basically put his own spin mm-hmm. on what they're doing. Now, you look at his time in Atlanta going into year two, they gradually drifted more away from two tailback personnel because that's not, again, that's not it's not really idea. what yeah. Sark wants to do. But he has done it before, and to your point, has proven even in the NFL – yeah, he'll adapt to whatever your personnel suggests you need to adapt it to. No, he's malleable. Um, you know, and his spin was he would use two tailbacks. Shano loves a traditional fullback in his two two back sets. And and give Sark props. He said, no, 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 I'm going to go with two tailbacks. I think he had uh, Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Tevin, Tevin yep. Coleman. So, and that, that actually worked really well. I mean, I, I like that. I remember watching some of that uh, that Atlanta offense that year. Uh, what I what I would say this year though is yeah try to double the amount of two back sets it only makes sense mm-hmm. like you said I mean your wide receiver room no proven commodities really except X man tight ends I mean you don't even like using your tight ends in the past game we, we had to force you this year to use your tight ends in the past game because you lost all your wide receivers and all your running backs got hurt and you're like all right I guess I gotta throw to these tight ends so you don't even really want to throw to them man running back is the way to go you are on the record for saying the most underutilized position in the passing game is the running back and you're also on the record for saying the identity of the offense is touches to the running back position. You can have uh, the identity and you also can set the tone with this running back room, but you got to do it with two tailback sets. That's why Brandon Marion is the pass game coordinator, exactly. not just a wide receivers mm-hmm. coach, because they are going to now marry a lot of philosophies. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And that's why last week, when we're not last week, two weeks ago, when you and I were talking about Marion and talking about his ability to throw to the running backs, and just like it shows when he was at Pitt, went from running backs being targeted 51 times to 76. Yep. You're talking growing 50% mm-hmm. of what you did the year before. And, point. You know, Texas with Sark went from 39 to 54, went up a little bit, but not a ton. And when you look at the two-back sets that Texas used, it was minimal, but it was more than other teams usually use across the country. And just when you look at the personnel, you pointed it out perfectly. Normally, you don't want to necessarily have, say, 20 or 12 if you have your good three wide receivers. If it's like 2018 Texas, it maybe doesn't fit your personnel. But mm-hmm. the way Texas is set up right now could fit very well. And whenever you look at how they're used and being able to just weaponize your deepest position in your position where your most dynamic player is, it probably makes sense. 
your second best wide receiver is your number one tailback. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And B. John Robinson's yeah. the second best receiver in the program right no now. No doubt. Yeah, I totally agree with you 100%. He's you talked about him as a recruit, that he was a guy that could play the yeah, you you know, did eight, say that. back in the day. So he could play the H. I'm yeah, that. I'm uh, I'm trying to find depth of target for the tight ends, and I don't know, PFF. Oh, yeah, it's really bad. I remember reading this back in the day. Yeah, PFF um, just has completely have they, changed. Have they changed the format? Okay. Well, I, I, no, I just, I'm an idiot, and I couldn't figure it out, but I think I've got it now. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt, can you see if you can pull yeah, that up? Yeah, I can't, it up real quick. I can't find depth it, of target it, for the tight ends. Let me real quick, because I, I, I've received this question about Brendan Marion a couple of times, and so I want to clear things up because I've been studying his offense, and, you know, he's lately, because it's now gotten more popular, he's going on the record about what the offense is. And, you know, coaches are really particular about the language and stuff like that. Right. Um, and, you know, he was people were calling his office a spread offense, right? It's a, it's a retro spread, retro spread. He's like, he actually takes offense to people calling his go-go offense a spread offense. Here's the quote. People say my offense is a spread offense. It's not even close to the spread in my mind. It's a pro-style triple option offense. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. A true West Coast passing game and a triple option run game and the up-tempo principles of Coach Malzahn. Him and Coach Malzahn are really close because his offensive coordinator at Tulsa when he was first given a scholarship was Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. It's 2,000-yard seasons. So him and Coach, his, the, the principles, a lot of his principles come from Coach Malzahn. But – Interesting that he calls it a West Coast passing game. If you want to know how him and Steve Sarkeesian, how they would vibe out and what they would bond over, he's a West Coast passing game guy. Brennan Marion's passing game mm-hmm. is West Coast passing game. Mm-hmm. Boom, right there, they bond. We also know that Sark loves the power running game, right? He talks about it all the time. The power running game is a big part of you know what he wants to do. He talks about the size inside and the speed on the outside. Brennan Marion's the base of his two-back sets. He wants to run power running game right downhill. Also, he calls it a pro-style triple option. We know that Sark tries to avoid the, the spread tags as well because he wants to be pro-style. I'm a pro-style guy. Whatever, I know. I know. Tomato, tomato. It's like, guys, come on now. Pro style is spread. What are we talking about? You're ready to say concepts, but I get it. They're really particular. So they, they can bond. So the, how they're going to marry their concepts, they'll start with the West Coast passing game. They'll start with their pro style philosophies that also is in the passing game. And Brendan Marion loves RPOs, obsessed with RPOs, tax every damn thing, every running play. And Sark, similarly, he didn't run as many this year, but remember at Bama, mm-hmm. the last year at Bama, nobody ran more RPOs, nobody threw more RPOs than Alabama. He wants to do more of that. With Quinn Ewers, That's he'll probably do a lot more RPOs. He just yeah. didn't trust Casey and Hudson Carr. To be yeah, because, I mean, he ran them with Mac Jones. Mac exactly. Jones, Who? Like, Mac Jones. It's just there to consume the defense. It's not necessarily yep. there because of the threat of the run game from the quarterback. The ADOTs were 4.8 for Brewer, yep. 3.3 for Wiley. I finally <laughs> found him. Yeah, it's <laughs> – Wow. So when they're throwing to the tight it's ends, the depth of the target. Yeah, yes. it's not like you're wow. not like they're throwing a bunch of go balls to tight ends. Oh Compared to like the receivers, oh, uh, you had eleven point eight for Whittington. Wow. Josh Moore was twelve point four. Disgusting. Worthy was thirteen point four. Marcus Washington was sixteen and, and a half. You're just way too easy to defend in twelve personnel, right? Because twelve personnel, basically fifty percent of the time in twelve personnel, you're handing the ball off. We know mm-hmm. that. 50% of the time, that's just that's just what Sark does. So I'm already guessing 50-50 you're going to run it most of the time because you got 12 personnel. And even if you do throw it, I win the numbers advantage in a passing game because them two tight ends you got, they ain't scaring me. <laughs> and yeah. if they do, they're not going downfield more than eight yards. So we got that.
<laughs> I'll tell my guys to play underneath your tight ends because you don't like to throw over the top of the. With they aren't even ends. going five yards. So, that's what I'm saying. So my thing is, yeah, it's they're easy to defend in twelve personnel, in my opinion. Even though it's really successful for them, mostly because Bijan is just a freaking beast. But, but they became predictable in twelve. Like it, it got to the point because yeah. because like you said, their most effective run formation was their most effective run personnel grouping was twelve personnel. Yeah. And especially, I think if you look at some of those third quarter collapses, the Oklahoma game is the one that stands out in my mind just vividly. I remember it. Texas tried to line up and run the ball in 12 personnel, and he couldn't do it because Oklahoma figure they're in 12 personnel, they're running the ball. We're selling out. We're yeah. selling out. And we're going to just put a safety over the top because they only got two wide outs that turn on these routes. And if they put these tight ends out on routes, they're screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, right? They're screwed. So I, I totally agree with you. I think that's why he had to try to – when they lost Jordan Whittington, that's why they also it was debilitating to the offense because it lost its ability, almost like some of the complexity, right? Mm-hmm. You you lost your ability to adapt because Jordan Whittington was very adaptable. Remember, in the Oklahoma game, they're using Jordan Whittington in backfield action, right? Mm-hmm. He's lining up almost as a wing back, right? He, he did. Use, he's he's using motion like, in. Yeah, he's using like Shano uses use check. Right? He's got in the backfield. Sometimes he lines up in the slot. He just added multiplicity and versatility to your offense. You lost him, and you also lost some of that complexity. Uh, and I think Sark went more to 12 personnel after Jordan Whittington went down uh, because he didn't trust the wideouts. He didn't have any wideouts. Started losing wideouts. Started dropping like flies. So I, I think, yeah, the, that's why if Bijan is not a Heisman finalist next year, Sark failed, and he knows that. He knows Bijan is talented enough to at least be a finalist in New York City. And if you cannot get that done, then you are not the offensive guru we all thought you were. If he stays healthy the entire season and he knows the only way I can do that is to weaponize multi-back sets. i got to find a way to be able to run efficiently and effectively out of my multi-back sets because I'm too predictable, like you said, out of 12 personnel and 11 personnel. Yes, it's great, but I lose girth and I lose size and I lose my numbers advantage in the box. You're not deep enough at receiver to be a base 11. Eleven person. You're not putting offense. your best players on the field. Exactly, yeah. and it doesn't. That's where it's a lot of the time it's the opportunity cost that keeps you from doing it. Because, like, say he, the reason why he went to four wide receiver sets in Alabama because you had the guys there. Well, now when you're down to having just say one elite receiver and somebody else, you're gonna have to find a fit in. It makes more sense to have just two wideouts on the outside. And when you look at Pittsburgh last year, since we're talking about the passing game coordinator, it was Lucas Kroll's their tight end, and he his dot was 10.3 this past season. So it's a lot different of a setup. They also yeah. had a freshman used in the red zone, Gavin Bartholomew. He was a little bit different. But when you look at their main tight end, and they were a team that's normally in 11 personnel out there, but they actually are very deep at receivers. So it'd be interesting to see if that adjusts and how it's used here at Texas. And again, you're going to have, you've got a group of young tight ends that this staff really likes that can bring you more dynamic ability in the passing game. We just haven't seen any of them do it. It's just there's a very, very great lack of experience. Pardon my just idiotic phrasing there. But <laughs> there's just not a – you don't have an experience there. Yeah. We have not seen those guys. We haven't seen Jatavian Sanders or Juan Davis or Gunnar Helm play high-leverage reps yet. Jatavian Sanders. You you cannot – listen, if yeah. you don't use Jatavian Sanders this year on offense, you need to switch him to defense. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to waste him anymore this year. And honestly, I see him as – man, if I am – what is the uh, man? I remember honestly. I hate to bring up this example because I know there's a better example. He should be used as as Urban Meyer used Aaron Hernandez. He should basically become that because he can do that. He mm-hmm. can be that versatile. You're basically a jumbo wide receiver. Essentially, right? You're a jumbo wide receiver. I'll use you in the backfield some as an H back every now and then. In terms of you being a traditional tight end, very rarely. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Pitts. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. but honestly, he's uh, more of a receiver. When you look at the way yeah, Pittsburgh but, used Lucas Kroll, he wa- yeah. lined up at uh, in line only 34% of the time. Yeah. So, like, he wasn't always at Honestly, and, yeah. I, I totally agree. You know what? It's it's kind of how um, Lincoln Raleigh used, was it? Is it Flowers? Who's the, who's the guy for Lincoln Raleigh? What's his name? The, the, sure. the guy in the, the, the backfield. Oh, uh, he's not Paul a, Willis. No, no, he's a running back, but he used him as an H-back. Oh, Brandon so Willis. Uh, Demetri oh, Flowers? Okay. Demetri Flowers. There okay. you go. Yeah, right? but I, I was he thinking. Always, and, and Lincoln Raleigh always has that guy. He's got three of yeah. – he's got those guys every year. I mean, he's Mark a, Andrews might be more of what you're kind of talking about, Rod. No, I, I, Aaron Hernandez and Mark Andrews are used very differently. I, I, I think that Lincoln Raleigh, I forgot the name. Like of more guy, like use checks used. He, like more use like check, use check is use kind check. of. So you're I want to use him in the backfield okay. more. He should be a part. When you want to go two back sets, and you don't want to go right. two tailbacks, and you want just kind of a, you know what he can kind of be a fullback for me yeah. or an H back. You should be able to use one of those guys like that. I think that's more what 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 what, uh, what Juan Davis's role could be. Okay, no, no, kind of like that. Yeah, because like, he's athletic. At Oklahoma, Hall was uh, Hall. Yeah. That's him, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Hall. Hall. Thank Hall, you, Hall, Willis, Jeremiah and Stogner. They sort of all used in that role Thank or you. in that position. Jeremiah yeah. Hall, but he's always got a Jeremiah Hall. Yeah. He always Oklahoma, has a Jeremiah Hall. Oklahoma going back to probably <laughs> Trey Millard is, is right. a guy like that. They always that. got one of those guys. And you're like, is he an yeah. H-back, fullback, tight end? He's all of them. When that's what's funny about <laughs> Miller. Or, he was the guy. He was there before Riley was there. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, the they way always they, have one of those. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's kind of a staple, and I like oh, it. Yeah, it for brings sure. physicality to the air raid, which Oklahoma's always been. It almost adds a different uh, dimension to their air raids of physicality to it. Which makes it different than the, the pure. And you version. notice, like if you look at OU's depth chart, Lincoln Riley never had a tight end on the depth chart. It was an H back. See, he, yeah. and he loves those guys. He moves them around all the time. And I think, I to me, Jade Savian Sanders should be that. I, I would hate to see him just stagnant at inline tight end. I mean, he should be in the slot sometimes, inline tight end sometimes in the backfield, H back, full back, all over the damn place because you can find a matchup with him. If that guy ends up with a linebacker on him, check, 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 audible, mm. audible, audible. We got, I need that guy on a route right now. Yeah. Will route, Jatavian Santa. Come on, man. That's what. That's all. That's all. Lincoln Riley was doing. That's why he was moving those guys around because every now and then you are gonna put a linebacker on him. I don't. I don't get out to near as many high school football games as I used to. But oh, yeah, one Texas of the football coaches love that position. One of the last few games that I watched was a playoff game last year. It was Denton Ryan against College Station, a really good College Station team in Waco. And I went and watched because I wanted to see Jatavian Sanders because mm. I wanted to find a comp for him. Like, yeah, exactly. who did it remind me of? And Rod, in all the years I've been doing this, man, he he really is a unicorn. Like, he doesn't remind me of anybody. Exactly. He's really his own guy. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he's. Like his lower half, like he's built like a defensive lineman. He is. Mm-hmm. But then, but he then you jumps. watch him take a bubble screen and burn off on a defense sixty like, yards. What like the it hell doesn't. Is that? that doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> As a red zone target, I remember seeing him in one of those playoff games, and it was just a guy. Well, then he has great ball skills. But like, yeah, if you were to just take parts off of different positions of football players and put them together, he's like a creative player. Yeah. No, I, I, I just think he's one of those guys. Like you said, you, you can't waste him. You need to be coming up with plays for him right now. This is a big offseason for Jeff Banks because, you know, he. I love what Jeff Banks did with the special teams He's last awesome. year. Special, like, special that's that's the that's the one phase yeah. of the game we didn't really worry about. And nope. granted, you know, you got Cameron Dicker. Cameron Dicker had a great year. But their coverage teams were so much better. Yeah, like special we, teams were we weren't elite. We weren't talking about special teams as a net negative. Totally agree with you. For the first time in a long time. He did an awesome job. So Jeff Banks earning his keep as a special teams coach, but it's a you got three tight ends that you need to accelerate the learning curve, ASAP for those guys. Yeah, 
No, I'm with you. And I, that's why I said Jatavian Sanders. Have you guys seen, what is his name? Um, Ironhead Haywood's son. Oh, yeah, yeah. at Michigan State. Right. His pirouette along you the sidelines. Because uh, in, 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 in high school, in high school, he played like quarterback and mm-hmm. wide receiver and running back and D line. And line. he played everything in high school. He was, like a, he was truly an Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, Michigan State, they, they they love to spread teams out and put them like in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then teams like, oh, I'll put a linebacker on him. It's like, you put a linebacker on him because he's huge. Uh, that linebacker can't roll because he's a freakish athlete. Yeah, he's, he's like such six a, foot. He is a six comp. Two, he's the only comp. Right? He's kind of reminded. I like the way Michigan State uses him. Six Connor foot two Hayward. Thirty. And what is your Tavian Sanders? Like, he's probably 6'3", right? 6'3", 230. Yeah. But, but in terms of skill set, he, he is a very versatile athlete. And that's yeah. kind of what you're talking about the unicorn uh, skill set of Jatavian Sanders. I like the way they use him. They use him on wheel routes. That was how they'll just line him up. You got mm-hmm. linebacker out there. They'll just throw him a hitch route. Mm-hmm. They, I like the way they use him. Just try to find a matchup for him because not a lot of people match up with that guy. Yeah, and if you're not gonna put a DB on him, which you probably, which he probably demands, win, right? Win. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And real quick, I want to stay on the Brennan Marion topic because I looked this up and I did some was I've been crunching some wide, doing some wide receiver research, uh, just to see kind of how rough it's been for Texas at that position. Um, you know, and I I was just kind of looking at Tom Herman's wide receiver takes, and really, you know, the 2018 cycle was Tom Herman's first full cycle on the job at Texas and, you know, did a pretty good job landing. If you look at the blue chip wide receivers in the state that year, Texas got their fair share of them. They got three of them that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I counted Malcolm Epps for Texas, but not in my, my statewide research. So it's a little convoluted, but Brendan Eagles, Joshua Moore, Avante Woodard, and Malcolm Epps. We know how Epps okay. fluctuated between tight end yep. and wide receiver. Uh, but after that, and this is why I like the Brennan Marion hire. If he's as good at building relationships within this state as I've as I've had people tell me he's going to be, the misses Texas has had that they've tried to recruit guys and missed on in recruiting within the state, starting with the 2018 cycle, Jalen Waddell, oh, no. Garrett Wilson, mm. Dylan Wright, mm. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was just a straight-up evaluation miss, same with Marvin Mims. Quentin Johnson, who they had committed at one time, JoJo Earl, Katron Jackson at Arkansas, Evan Stewart, Armani Winfield. Like Texas has missed on some big time talented blue chip receivers, guys that are that have been or will be high draft picks in the NFL. Yeah. And Tom Herman's wide receiver takes guys. A lot of these guys didn't pan out. Six what sixteen wide receivers. I even included Jordan Pouncey in seventeen, because that staff did take him late in that class. Mm. Sixteen wide receivers, Texas signed. Over five classes, uh, eight transferred out before the end of their eligibility. Five of the eight transferred, having played two or fewer seasons. Two left the program without ever playing a down. Brew McCoy uh, and Keith Ron Lee. <laughs> One was an early entry for the NFL draft. That was Brendan Eagles, who, by the way, wasn't drafted. Got cut by the Cowboys in training camp. Haven't heard anything since. Uh, seven guys still on the roster. Zero. Zero NFL draft picks. I looked at the numbers, too, Rod. By the way, Steve Sarkeesian, in terms of wide receiver takes, he's one for one. Because yeah. Xavier Worthy's been pretty damn good. Yeah, it's been was everything he was cracked up to be, yeah. and then some. I looked at the the most productive receiver for Tom Herman based on the, of Tom Herman's takes based on career production Ooh. was Brennan Eagles. Yeah, sixty one catches, one thousand twenty six yards, and eleven touchdowns. And that was a disappointment. Xavier Worthy's freshman year, his one season at Texas, he's got one more catch, one more touchdown reception, and almost as many receiving yards. 
and you got the coach who coached the most recent Belitnikov Award winner here, and Sark, who coached the Belitnikov Award winner and the Heisman Trophy winner two years ago, and X-Man is arguably the best young wide receiver in the country. It's a nice mix. Texas has never had a Belitnikov winner, by the way. Yeah. They haven't. Even though Golden Tate is still walking around <laughs> with Jordan Shipley's Belitnikov Award. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that one. That was yeah, he, yeah that was yeah, that was, that was bad. robbery. That was bad. That was awful. Um, yeah. But I will say this: you go back and look at Texas, like thousand yard receivers. Texas as a program has not been that prolific Mm-mm. with like thousand yard receivers. Now, tell Roy, like there weren't any. Never like said it, it. It really recent. Most recently, yeah. it just started, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, John Harris. <laughs> Man, John Harris. About I love that one. Yeah. I was, uh, I was looking at this historically, right? Because do you realize I, I, this blew my mind? So, Texas, in terms of first team all Big 12 wide receivers, you had Jordan Shipley in 09. Mm-hmm. And you had Devin Duvernay in 2019. Yeah. You went a decade without a first team all Big 12 wide receiver. I will say, though, the Big 12 was probably the most prolific offensive conference in the country at the time. Yeah. Had the best quarterbacks, the best offensive coaches, and the best offensive minds. Hell, sometimes it was hard for really good wide receivers like Colin Johnson, Luper, yeah. and Humphrey to even make the all-Big te- all, uh, you know, all 12 teams. Oh, yeah. Be like honorable mention. The decade before when you had all your <laughs> Blackmans or your Desbys yeah. and every year you had a Shepard or a D.D. Westbrook. Some, it was some free. Remember that? Art Browns would have, some, would have one or two every oh, year. Yeah, that Terrence would just Williams. be I mean, you know, uh, Oklahoma kept a couple. Man, it yep. was we had a very prolific conference for wide receivers at one time, but still, no excuse for Texas well, underachieving. Well, and then yeah. the fact that we bring up John Harris is so perfect because it also can show how much game script is needed. To all like you trailing, you're going to throw a lot, and in those situations, a guy like John Harris may get more targets than a team that's leading and late in the game. You don't throw nearly as much. That's true. And so I just looked at it. So, and really, I, I went with the 2005 class because that was Quan Cosby's return to Texas. Oh, yeah. He was the only receiver they took in 05. Which, by the way, Beast you want to look at, we're coming up on, you know, we're about a month away from the second National Signing Day. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at, you want to look at historic Texas class, 2005, pound for pound. It's Mac Brown's best recruiting class. Oh, yeah. And it's not even close. Yep. Um, yeah. I agree. It's Cole McCoy class. That's mm-hmm. Colt McCord, Roy Miller, Jamal Charles. Um, it, it was just in terms of Henry success rate, was in that success class. rate was ridiculous. Yeah, the hit rate was. The NFL much. hit rate was, I think, 45, 45%. Yeah. 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 And your bus rate was super low. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think your bus rate was like 5%. Holy. Yeah, like Wilkerson. Even, even the guys that wow. didn't play in the NFL in that class. I mean, Damn. Charlie Tanner was a multiple year starter on the offensive line. Chris That's Hall crazy. was an All American, a multiple year starter on the offensive line. Yeah. Wow. You bet you had like two or three guys like Ishiata Wigu was a medical, Jarrell Wilkerson, Michael Houston. That was it. Everybody else in that class contributed. And the truth is, the program probably around that time started to show cracks. Mm-hmm. But it was because that class saved Mac Brown pretty much because it was such a stellar class. Oh yeah, you didn't see the cracks any. It took four years for the cracks to show up. You can't. I mean, you can't write the book of the Mac Brown era without Colt McCoy, Roy Miller, and Quan Cosby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jordan Shipley. But I know he's not in that class. Before, so but, yeah. Saying, like, yeah, he was a, but yeah, I mean, that 05 class. That 05 class was, yeah. No, that's, right. that's, saved, that's saved Max Bacon. But I looked at it, man. 36 wide receivers Texas signed from 2006 through 2015. Uh, he only had three all Big 12 selections, first or second team. No first team selections. He had three second team all Big 12 wide receivers mm-hmm. in that stretch. John Harris, who. With his doubt, like John Harris has one of the weirdest Texas careers mm, he does. ever. For his career. John Harris for his career, 72 catches, 1,241 yards, and 10 touchdowns. 
His production in 2014, 68 for 1051 and 7 touchdowns. I was say, I it was basically all. <laughs> it was basically all in one season. And it came out of nowhere too. We just none of us were sitting here in that offseason like I think John Harris will have a big year. Wow. He that just became nice. the guy. And he never, I, he never tried to pursue it professionally. Did he uh, he, he signed like as an undrafted free agent okay. uh, with the Eagles in okay. 15. Never caught on the NFL, but was an active roster CFL player yeah. in 2016. I think I remember that going to the CFL. By the way, in doing my research, do you know DJ Johnson was an active roster CFL player? Man. That's a guy. You talk about weird careers. Wow. Yeah, we. I, that's probably the offensive identity crisis swallowed up the career of DJ. Johnson. I think that. I think what you talk about, Rod, that offensive identity crisis, it is. It's yeah. summed up in receiver recruiting for pretty yep. much a decade. Yep, totally agree. I mean, I'm just running. Just think about some of the names. Then Tom Herman's this uh, preference he had for receivers, right? They're big and they can win the 50-50 ball. Oh, that's how you. That's, that's how, why how you, you decide don't have Smith and Jigba. That's yeah. how you decide Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin yeah, Mims aren't fits. Quote yeah, unquote, that's crazy, fits. man. That's crazy to look at somebody who can ball out and go, "Nah, he just doesn't fit my my, my specifications." So it's like, what? What the hell? You know what? You know what? Fit? You He's going to be a fit in the NFL. Offense? Yeah, I know. Like, I don't. I don't know how that. That is crazy to me, but. Every, everybody's got their preference. Everybody's got their type. But I was looking at some of these receivers Texas recruited, man, and the, either wasted talent or guys that you forgot had pretty nice careers. Malcolm Williams, James Kirkendall. Remember Brandon, Brandon Collins? Yeah, Brandon Collins got some talent. I think he um, – didn't he end up on a ro- in, an NFL roster for like a like – a- Short yeah, because he went to uh, South Louisiana. I think he was with the yeah, Giants. Yeah, it was like a cup of coffee. I remember that. Yeah. He was. Yeah, okay. Uh, he got some receptions. He played in games. Dan, Dan Buckner, Deshaun Hales. Dan Buckner. They used him as like a flex tight end, I remember. Brock Fitzhenry, that. whose best contribution to the program was he was the scout team quarterback. He was Taylor Martinez the week that Texas <laughs> beat Nebraska in 2010. 2010. Uh, wow. Greg Timmons, and you get Mike Davis, Darius White. DeMarco Cobbs was initially recruited as a receiver. Chris Jones is a guy that I liked. Had zero career catches, transferred wow. uh, in less than two years. Uh, John Harris, Jackson Shipley. Jackson Shipley. I'll take a Shipley. 2012, Caleb Jones, Kendall Sanders, DeJay Johnson, Marcus Johnson. Boy, the one guy out Marcus of that class Johnson? who you, it was really the afterthought. He's still playing in the still league. Still playing in the league. Jackson Shipley got a cup of coffee. He was with the Arizona. Cardinals, Cardinals yeah, practice squad for a full year. Um, so he counts towards the NFL hit rate? Yeah, I just think that offensive identity crisis and the quarterback issues Texas had for so long really did hurt a lot of those guys. They had some talent, but we just weren't developing talent. Jake well. Oliver, Petey Jake. Warwick. Montreal Meander's in the league as a safety right now. Has been I know, league. isn't that crazy? Yeah, um, I heard that name the other day watching the Browns. The Browns. Yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> Montreal Meander. Uh, Armani Foreman, Lorenzo Joe, Dorian Leonard, Roderick Bernard, Garrett Gray, John Burt, Ryan Newsom, and then Rod, a guy that – well, we spent a lot of time talking about DeAndre McNeil. We thought DeAndre McNeil was going to help oh, reinvent yeah. the wheel off. He could have been that Aaron Hernandez type. You know, what, Jeremiah Hall, what Jeremiah Hall is? Yep. Dimitri Flowers? He I thought he been, was going to be one of those guys. He going to be one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're still on receivers just because the numbers are insane here. John Harris's targets in his career. Two his freshman year. <laughs> Three his sophomore year. Nine his junior year, 97 his senior year. That is unbelievable, man. I mean, give the coaching staff credit, man. I mean, that's. He had 14 going into his senior year, and I boom. Mean, he you look at that 14 year Tyrone swoops through for what, like 2,400 yards, 2,500 yards? And John Harris had almost 1,100. He loved doing John Harris. And I think a lot of were deep shots, remember? They did throw some. And he wasn't things. running away from people. It was, he was just, play action, and yeah, then he was running the post or something. Yeah. Yep. It was weird, man. But man, yeah, it's uh Yeah, it's been bad. And uh, you're right. And I think in twenty twenty three, 
a lot of the top players in the state of Texas, right, or wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So that's it's why Sark knew he had to make the move because this is the year that you got – I mean, 2023 is the class. You got to go snag. If it's five top receivers in the state, you need, you need two of them. You need to get two of them. Because inevitably, one of these going to leave. And I've said this for years, and I totally believe it. Wide receiver is the deepest position in football at any level. Go, there's so many young, good, gifted wide receivers out there, man. There are tons of them. You got to develop them, but trust me, you also want the high-end ones, and that's what Sark wants. Sark in particular, too, he wants speed. Sark yep. is, I mean, his receivers are slight. I mean, they're, they're like rails. They're, I mean, It's the only criticism all those Bama guys, when you yeah. look at them in the league, it's like, oh, they're yeah. not very big, but exactly. they can fly. But they have play strength. He likes play strength. He doesn't mind if you're small if you have play strength. Mm-hmm. X- X-Man has. X-Man oh, plays a lot stronger mm-hmm. than he looks. Same with and, Devonta Smith. Same very with similar. Devonta Smith and all, Henry Ruggs, all those guys. Uh, so he has a type, too, but I think also he'd be a little bit more open um, and malleable with his specifications than a guy like Tom Herman was, who's like, nope, I want big bodies. We went 50-50 Herman bosses. wouldn't have taken Worthy. You know, he wouldn't have. He didn't fit. Great point. Tom Herman had a specific idea of what he wanted at every receiver position. Almost, it's it's not a bad. Managing of his expertise. It's not a bad way to go about it. Like, I know what I want in an X receiver. I know what I want in a Z, in that H position. But you can pigeonhole yourself real easy and talk yourself out of a guy who's just a damn good football yeah, player. Yeah, and into a because Malcolm Epps. Because he doesn't Epps. fit into this box. <laughs> yeah, yourself yeah. into a Malcolm Epps and out of a Smith and James. And you, I, simplify, like, do that. and you really simplify your offense for the opposition because over time it becomes a lot more predictable if you are oh, doing those type we of already things. Know. I mean, the H receiver, remember with Devin DuVernay, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember like at one point it was like 60% of his targets were, with, were within five yards of the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage. He was basically, it was just long handoffs. Mm-hmm. And yet he would never line him up in the backfield, just hand it off to him or hand off the jet sweep. You're right. I think the he, one time they did remember the West Virginia game when he scored. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it was. It was pretty predictable. And the ability the, you got to have receivers that can back up at all positions because the then you can easily manufacture the mismatch. It's like why a guy like Hunter Renfro can be such a good pro and nobody liked him, but. When you have him and a Waller, and then they can all back you up every single position and motion people around. The Cowboys do it. Cedric Wilson backs up every single receiver along the Cowboys line. It's just you have that multi-faceted uh, ability to use your personnel. That's what I'll say because I, w- I wanted to devote most of the show to talking Brent Marion in the receiver position. Uh, next week, I kind of want to look at because on January 2nd, we hit the one-year anniversary of in the same day, Tom Herman being fired, Steve Sarkeesian being hired. Mm. That all happened in the same day. So I kind of want to look at Sark, you know, year one, big picture on next week's show. But I started talking about this, Rod, on Light the Tower, and because I'm, I'm, there's not there's multiple angles you can go down to look at Sark year one. But one of the things that I like that I think if you're a Texas fan, why you should be optimistic about Sark, because you know, right now everybody's caught up in the hype and the hope that this this recruiting class is bringing because you've got, mm-hmm. you know, you're rebuilding your lines of scrimmage. Yep. You've got the potential for a franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, you brought Brennan Marion in. Now you figure the receiver position is going to get a boost. Uh, you know, this defense, you've got some pieces returning. Can it just be better just by a, a year of experience in Pete Kwiatkowski's system? Everybody is hopeful. Yep. Uh, in addition to some of the turnarounds you see second-year head coaches making, plus their statistics. Like, you, you guys know, like, one possession games, if you're really bad in them one year, that stuff typically flips mm-hmm. the next year. And vice versa. If you're really good in one possession games one year, the next year it typically flips. Yeah. Should be around 500. If you're not, be worried one yeah. way or the other. Texas 2-5 and five this year in one possession games under Sark. Five to six losses in the six-game losing streak were one possession losses. But one of the things that I think if you're a Texas fan, this goes back to the Xavier Worthy talk, that you should be hopeful for. 
if Steve Sarkeesian's got a playmaker, he's going to get him the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though we talked about there was that run where Bijan's usage started to decline during the early, the first mm-hmm. half of that losing streak, if you look at the body of work, Bijan Robinson had almost had almost a hundred more carries than Roshan Johnson did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he was at one ninety five, Roshan Johnson ninety six. If you look at your receiver numbers. In terms of receptions, Matt, I know you can break it down in terms of targets because you've got it in front of you, but in terms of just catches, Xavier Worthy, 62, Bijan Robinson, 26, Jordan Whittington, 26, and that was with him missing half the year. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'll get that. He's going to identify his playmakers, and he will get them the football. Something Tom Herman didn't do. Yeah. Not not nearly enough. Yeah. No, and that was our heaviest criticism, and we talked about how frustrating it may be if you end up losing your job because you didn't get your best players the ball, which is about as simple as it gets for football. Like, if you watch Alabama in the championship game, watch the past one, they're always going to have their best receivers or running back, even back to return kicks, like, yep. to his own detriment. Like, you'll have guys like Waddle break a leg because they're doing that on a kickoff. And, I mean, you saw it last week. X-Man when, was doing it this exactly, year. Exactly, 100%. you got to get those guys the ball, funnel the usage to your best players. Yep. So that's, again, I think that's something that you can look at and, and, uh, and be agree. hopeful for. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Well, that's going to do it uh, for our first Longhorn Blitz of 2022. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9101 AM1260 streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B as part of RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click that follow button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.